This episode contains descriptions of child abuse and violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. The following is an excerpt from Henry James's Owen Wingrave. On this staircase as they went down, her husband showed her the portrait of Colonel Wingrave, rather a vigorous representation for the place and period of a gentleman with a hard, handsome face in a red coat. Mrs. Coyle declared that his descendant Sir Philip was wonderfully like him, and her husband could fancy, though he kept it to himself, that if anyone should have the courage to walk about the old corridors of Paramore at night, one might meet a figure that resembled him roaming, with the restlessness of a ghost, hand in hand with the figure of a tall boy. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we conclude Henry James's gothic tale, Owen Wingrave. Originally published in 1892, Owen Wingrave is a story about family legacy, historical trauma, and the secrets we keep. This is the final entry in a two-part series, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, make sure you go back and start from the beginning. I will continue to tell this tale from the perspective of Spencer Coyle, a British tutor and retired soldier who lost an arm in battle. Now, his specialty is training elite young men for the Queen's Army. But when his favorite student, Owen Wingrave, tells him he wants to quit his military endeavors, Coyle is completely blindsided. Owen is the last son in a long line of war heroes, and his family is less than pleased with his decision. Soon, Owen's formidable aunt, Miss Jane Wingrave, invites Coyle and his wife to the Wingrave's ancestral estate, Paramore, in an attempt at an intervention. But the house isn't as inviting as Coyle expects it to be. Owen greets his tutor while covered in blood, blaming it on a sick grandfather and Owen's aunt assures the couple that the strange cries they hear in the second-floor hallway are nothing to worry about. But when Coyle hears a child being abused during the night in the mysterious white room, he breaks through the door, only to find the room empty. Coming up, we'll unlock some family secrets. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, 
the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I am not the sort of man who believes in the fanciful. I have seen fellow soldiers fall prey to hallucinations after wartime, and I've counted myself lucky that I have always been able to distinguish reality from nightmare. But as I stared at the empty white room in the Paramore estate, I began to doubt that was still true. I'd heard a boy's scream. I'd heard violence. But there was nothing in here but a child's bed and a collection of toys scattered on the floor. Everything was covered in mold or dust. I needed Owen to make sense of things, so I ordered my student to explain. Owen looked even older than he had at dinner. In the room's odd light, his skin seemed translucent, his eyes shadowed and tired. He glanced from me to the open door, but before he could speak, we heard a young woman's laughter. The young housekeeper, Miss Kate Julian, came up behind us, still in her dressing gown. Her joy was so at odds with the situation that I nearly lost my temper. She crossed her arms and said matter-of-factly, Owen won't tell you anything, sir. He's too afraid. The weak ones always are. Owen cut in to insist that he was not weak. Miss Kate prodded him, a teasing glint in her eye. Well, go on then. Tell the colonel all about the room. Owen opened his mouth to speak then turned on his heel and walked out. Kate and I followed as he headed down the ancient staircase. I yelled to him, asking him again to explain, but he said nothing and only quickened his pace. We walked down maze-like hallways before stopping at a smaller, more uneven staircase. Owen told me I had to go first, but wouldn't say why. I was impatient, but I did as he asked ignoring the creaking steps as I ascended to a part of the house I'd never seen. There were no windows in this hall, yet I felt a slight draft that wafted over me as if the house itself was breathing. Then I saw… him. A man with white hair sticking up at all ends stood at the landing. He looked just like the strange figure my wife and I had seen in the window as we approached the house. He was perhaps no older than sixty, but remarkably pale, and oddly enough, he was wearing the scarlet-red uniform of the Royal Army. From the look of his clouded white irises, I doubted he could see me, until he launched himself at me with a terrifying scream grasping for my throat. I ducked on instinct and tried to push him away, but he was stronger than he looked. He sneered in my face and took one step backwards, raising his hand to hit me, when blood began to dribble from his mouth and nose. He paused, 
confused. Then I saw a blade burst through his gut. The man coughed and cold blood shot from his pale lips and spattered onto my face. I yelled for Owen and Kate to help, but they only watched as the man collapsed, crumpled up in agony. Then he froze and went still. The seconds passed like centuries, but he did not move again. Owen cleared his throat. <clears throat> Meet my ill grandfather. He's, well, dead, as you can see, but he keeps reliving his death. The whole house is full of them. Old men who served and came back here after they lost their life for the Queen's honor. Kate nodded in agreement. I almost laughed, but their stony expressions made the sound die on my lips. Ghosts? They couldn't be serious. But then Owen pointed back to the corpse, or where it should have been. The old man was gone. Blood clung to my clothes, but there was none on the walls or the carpet. It was as though the attack had never happened there. I suddenly understood why Owen and Kate were covered in blood when I arrived. I took a deep breath, steadying my nerves, and turned to Owen and Kate. Supposing I believe you, what does this have to do with the White Room? Is there another soldier in there too? Kate laughed. <laughs> oh, that one isn't quite a war ghost. It's just the stain of the military, as Owen likes to say. Owen shifted on his feet, avoiding my eyes. I guessed that he'd made some sort of disparaging speech about the army in my absence. He must have sensed my disappointment because he broke the silence. Now that you believe us, I will take you back to the White Room and explain. Perhaps it will make you understand why I can't become a soldier. Outside the White Room, Owen peeked through the hole I'd kicked in the door earlier that night. Then, when he was certain it was empty, he finally explained what had happened there. Colonel Wingrave, Owen's great-great-grandfather, was an exacting man. He wanted everything in order, and he was not above using violence to ensure that his rules were followed. But the colonel was hardest on his eldest son, Ian. Even at eight years old, Ian bore the brunt of his father's brutality. The servants would be woken up at all hours by the sound of his screams. The boy's room was even whitewashed with oil paint, so it would be easier to scrub the walls of his blood after the colonel's many beatings. None of Ian's relatives intervened. Though the boy begged for help, he was only met with silence. The Wingraves excelled at being blind to what they didn't want to see. When Ian died, they buried him in a shallow grave and told everyone outside of the family that it was the pox. They believed the colonel couldn't be blamed for his excess of temper. He was only doing what he thought was right. Ian's ghost, however, didn't seem to agree. Just days after the funeral, they found the colonel dead in Ian's room, a room that no one had visited since the boy's death. But one morning, 
the door was open, and inside the colonel's corpse lay mangled on the floor. The room, this white room, Owen explained, had been locked ever since, but each Wingrave heir was given the key. Kate picked this moment to interject. Owen's been scared of the white room since he got his key, but honestly, I've lived here for years, and the screams aren't that frightening. I ignored Miss Kate's rudeness and turned back to Owen. Is your aunt aware of this matter? Kate smirked. Aware that Owen's a coward? Absolutely. But if you're asking if she's aware of the spirits, it's hard to tell. If you mention the Wingrave ancestors, she tends to just prattle on about all the honourable ways they died, which, you know, we've seen, so feels a bit redundant. I was resolved to speak to Jane Wingrave as well as my wife Bess, who would never forgive me for letting us set foot in this horrible place. But Owen overruled me. Kate is right. My aunt will be no help and never has been. But you have, Colonel. Owen turned to me, and I thought I could see the shimmer of tears in his eyes. Thank you for helping me find the strength to disobey my so-called destiny. I know it's not what you intended, but it's what I have to do. I have been haunted by the spirits in this wretched house all my life, terrified that one day I will become like them. But I will not follow their path in some bloody legacy. I will not create more ghosts. Kate scoffed. You make it sound so principled when all you're doing is running away. That's not strength, it's cowardice. I expected Owen to lash out in outrage, but this final assault on his courage was too much. When he spoke again, his voice was small. Kate, what can I do to prove you wrong? Suddenly, a strange glint appeared in his eye one of resolution and resignation. If I stay in the white room overnight, will you understand? If I sleep in that horrible place, will you stop comparing me to my father and your father and the fathers before that? Will you let me live my life? Kate's eyes were hard but hopeful. Yes, if you can manage it. After everything they had told me about that wretched room, I knew I couldn't let this happen. I tried to intervene. Owen, that isn't necessary. Miss Kate knows how hard you've trained. She can respect that at least. There's no need to involve spiritual matters. Kate crossed her arms. What good is training if you don't apply it? You are a coward, Owen. And if you want me to have an ounce of respect for you, you'll do this. I tried to argue, but Owen would not hear it. Then, at a loss, I did the only thing I could do. I convinced him to let me oversee his stay in the White Room the following night. But I had no idea what I had agreed to. Coming up, Owen and Coyle go into battle. Hi listeners, it's Carter from ParCast, and I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm posting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads. 
and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals, like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. I tried to sneak back into my room without rousing my wife, but when I slipped inside, I discovered Bess already awake, clutching the bedsheets. She demanded to know where I was. Not one to keep secrets, I told her everything. I told her about the strange cries I'd heard coming from the white room, how Owen's dead grandfather had attacked me in the hallway, and about Owen's terrible resolution to spend the night in that chamber of horrors. She blinked at me, taking it all in. What a horrible holiday this turned out to be. Let me speak to Owen. He'll stop this nonsense immediately. I shook my head. Make any valiant attempt you like, my love, but I think he is ruled by honor, not sense. And most definitely by the opinion of Miss Kate. I sighed. I don't know why Owen cares so deeply about what she thinks. He doesn't care about anyone else in the family, rightfully, of course. Why is he so rattled by the housekeeper? Bess reached up to ruffle my hair. Poor dear. It's because he loves her. The following evening, we had another excruciating dinner with Owen's aunt, Miss Jane Wingrave, wherein she spent the entire meal regaling us with the Wingrave family's military accomplishments. I found myself glancing from her to Owen's exhausted face all night, feeling intensely angry at her for allowing all of this to happen. Right then, I decided, if leaving his military path freed my young student from the burden of his family, I would support him. I had denied him too much already. The entire house was dark when I took my leave of Bess and met Owen and Miss Kate in the hall. Outside the tragic white room, the flame of my candle quivered. Kate and I watched Owen unlock the door and slink inside. I wasn't sure I was doing the right thing by letting him go through with it. He looked strangely frail, his dressing gown hanging off him like a jacket on a scarecrow. But I wanted him to escape that house, and in order to do so, 
Owen felt he must first win back Kate's respect. He walked to the center of the room and waved at me. The hole I'd made in the door was wide enough that I could see him well, and so I waved back to him. As we always say, Owen, no surrender. He nodded, a smile sneaking to his lips. I hoped he knew that order applied to me as well. I would not surrender him to any evil forces, not his family and not this house. It was drafty in the hall, but it seemed even colder in the white room. Owen's breath came in small clouds as he rubbed his hands to stay warm. We all waited for… something. I had no idea how tangible the ghosts would be. Truly, I hoped that they preferred to take Tuesdays off and Owen would be left in peace. Miss Kate tapped her foot against the rug, then slid down the wall to take a seat on the floor. We waited for half an hour, but nothing happened. Owen stood at the center of the room, but his posture began to relax. Beside me, Kate was starting to doze against the wall. It was when we were a bit calmer that something began to materialize. At first, it looked like an unusually long breath from Owen. A billowing cloud of cold air wafted near his lips, but soon after, it began to change shape. The military uniform appeared before the rest of the colonel did. First, the epaulets and its chest heavy with medals from the early colonial wars. My heart pounded against my chest. I could clearly see the Victoria Cross on his jacket as he took a full flesh and blood form. He leaned over to Owen and whispered something, but I couldn't hear what it was. Kate's head knocked against the wall and she woke with a fright. I shushed her and pointed to the hole in the door. The colonel's hands were clenched at his side, his red knuckles turning white. Then he lashed out to strike Owen. The boy tried to evade the hit, but it wasn't fast enough. The ghost's fist collided with Owen's nose and the wall was sprayed with blood. I winced, almost jumping to my feet, but Owen was faster. He countered the blow as I taught him but the colonel simply dematerialized. Another puff of air came from the far corner of the room, but this time it wasn't the colonel. It was the small specter of a child. I was certain this was the unfortunate young Ian. Owen leapt up and pulled Ian behind him, his eyes darting about the room as he searched for any sign of the colonel. The ghost's saber appeared first, swiping straight for Owen's head. He managed to dodge and pull Ian to safety as the colonel appeared and advanced on him. In all of my horror, I found myself feeling proud. Owen evaded the colonel's blows like a real soldier, never letting his guard down, mindful of the child's safety and his own. I knew the futility of it all, and yet it was admirable, heroic even. Then it all got so much worse. One by one, the room began to fill with spectral soldiers until I could barely see what was happening. I'd known that Owen was from a military family, but every dead ancestor looked less like a hero and more like exactly what they were. Bloodthirsty wraiths. Or maybe 
That's how all soldiers look to their enemies. They crowded the room so quickly, within seconds, I lost sight of Owen. I went to throw open the door to help him. I taught Owen to never leave a man behind, so I couldn't very well do the same to him. But when I twisted the knob, it wouldn't move. I stuck my hand in the hole I'd created to unlock it from the other side. My skin stung, blistering from the cold air in the room. I fumbled to find the lock, but it wouldn't turn. The knob was painful to touch, as if it had been exposed to the polar north for centuries. I withdrew my hand and threw myself against the door as the scream started. Unlike hours earlier, these weren't the screams of a child. This time, they were Owen's. Kate stood behind me, looking panicked. I asked her to help, but to my shock, she refused. I turned to her, furious. What is wrong with you? Owen loves you, Kate. Do you love him, or is the Wingrave legacy all you care about? She shook her head, torn. Then she muttered, We're nothing without it. Owen gasped out a plea for help. Something, whether it was a spectral limb or his own blood, had made it difficult for him to speak. I pictured him choking on his blood like I'd seen it before in other soldiers. I'd seen the way the face seizes up as blood spills from their lips, going from blue to purple to grey as they fight to sputter out a dying wish. You'd see the panic kill them before blood loss does. It was always better not to look. That I knew. Just as I knew in my heart that Owen was dying. There was a heavy thump, like a log falling to the floor. I called for Owen, telling him he just had to get to the door. I could help if he came to me. My heart stopped as I heard him whisper two words. No. Surrender. I threw myself against the door, screaming Owen's name, until finally it flew open, as if it had never been locked at all. I ran inside, blinking against the moonlight. The room was nearly empty now. The spirits were gone. All that was left was Owen, laying in the center of the floor. I was relieved to see there was no blood around him, but he'd fallen backwards and his eyes were open wide in alarm. His hands were out in front of him as if he'd been trying to hold back an attacker. My favorite pupil seemed frozen. Kate rushed in beside me, stopping just before Owen's feet. Come on, Owen. Stop playing. Let's go. Her voice cracked as she nudged him. Owen, you won. Owen, please. I wanted to grab Kate, to scream at her, but I found myself paralyzed when a glint of metal from Owen's chest caught my eye. It was a row of brass buttons. A phantom pain shot through me as I realized Owen's dressing gown had somehow been replaced with a military uniform. Despite everything, he had become a soldier after all. He had fought his fate and lost, slain by his own family's bloody legacy. Henry James, 
author of Owen Wingrave, was only three days shy of his 18th birthday when Confederate forces attacked Fort Sumter in South Carolina on April 12, 1861. This was the beginning of one of the bloodiest wars in American history. While his younger brothers enlisted to fight for the Union, Henry was deemed unfit for service due to an injury he received while fighting a fire. By most accounts, James was relieved. He preferred books to physical pursuits, and he was keenly aware of the pain that war had inflicted on the United States and the countries where he later lived, Britain and France. Owen Wingrave is clearly a criticism of war, the military, and the cycles of trauma it inevitably creates. But it's also about bravery, albeit a less conventional kind. Owen is not a typical soldier. Though he's called a coward by both his aunt and his childhood love Kate, James argues that ultimately Owen is a fighting man. It takes great courage to stand against family, history, and even masculinity itself. Just as it is brave to expose secrets and, most importantly, to ask for help. Owen thinks his training will be enough to sustain him through one last test of valor, one last tribute on the altar of his family's military legacy. But ultimately, he cannot escape his fate. The only consolation left is that, unlike so many other soldiers in the Wingrave family, Owen died as a truly honorable man. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Powercast free on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Lil Ritter and Jennifer Roche, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Audriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.